You want a book to read? Well, I can tell you that I've written three. They're called the Flight Attendant Joe series. It's fast in your seatbelts and eat your fucking nuts. Flight Attendant Joe. And I'm just here for the layovers. Available on Amazon, iTunes, Snook, and Kobo. Go get your read on, people. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe. I just love that music. It makes me want to dance. On this week's episode, I invited my friend Ryan on to discuss politics. Specifically, he voted for Donald Trump. And I wanted to know why. I wanted to get inside his brain and figure out what makes you vote for someone like Donald Trump. I think we've stopped talking. We've stopped trying to understand somebody who's different. We sit in our tribes, we sit, it's us versus them, and nobody wants to budge, and it's not helping people. So I brought him on, we talked about Trump, we talked about the impeachment, the acquittal, we talked about Senate term limits, we talked about the current Dems running to beat Donald Trump. Some of the things you'll like, some of the things you won't. Welcome, Ryan. Hey, Ryan, thank you for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's great. It's great to finally get to be on air with you. You know, I, I get to see everyone else having fun now. I get to. Well, you get to play with me, which I know you've always wanted to do. Well, I so, mean, it's been 10 years. Are you going to keep me waiting any longer? Now, um, is this your first time on a podcast? It is, actually. So, uh, so I'm popping your cherry, your podcast cherry. Oh yeah, oh oh, oh yeah. It's uh, I, I I mean they said that it could be painful, but I think this will be fun. It's me. It's <laughs> it's definitely not going to be painful. <laughs> it's just going to be like, what was that? Is it over? Is it over? I say I say this because there's people who listen and there's followers of Flight Attendant Joe who are like, oh, I bet you're so good in bed, and I'm like, no, but. I mean, my husband's stuck around for 15 years, so I must be doing something right. <laughs> the expectations were managed appropriately. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Now it's like, do you want to have sex? And I'm like, what year is it? Oh, it's 2020. I only do odd years. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm, this, is, this is my read a book year in bed tonight. Try next, try next January. Every year is a read a book. Every night is read a book in bed night. And then it's like 10 o'clock. <laughs> now you're married. How long have you been married now? Uh, we're coming up on four years, four, four, four years. years. Are you yeah. still, are you guys still rocking it out every night or have you gotten to the point where you're like, uh, you know what? I'm just going to watch TV and go to bed. Honestly, I try cause I have the hormones of a 12 year old, but my wife's a bit of a workaholic. So she usually comes home tired and goes, why are you touching me? There's no food in your hand. Why are you touching me? <laughs> she, she sounds like me. I'm like, what? Like my husband will just walk by and grab me and I'll be like, hashtag me too. And he's like, it doesn't work when I'm married to you. And I'm like, I think it does. <laughs> See, my wife is Latina, so it wouldn't even be like that. It's just a backhand. It's just a backhand. Well, she probably has trained you very well. She, she has. I can sit on command now and I don't run away. She even, I've even stopped using the leash recently. You're funny. So I want to thank you for coming on the show because 
I always, when I first started planning this podcast, I knew I wanted to have a political conversation with somebody. And I, my first instinct was to have you on because, um, one, you are um, a little bit on the other side of the spectrum from me. Two, we're friends, and I knew we wouldn't be assholes to each other. And um, three, I think it's important that people who don't have the same view on certain things come together. And I think that's a big problem in America right now is if you don't see eye to eye with me at all, I don't want to have anything to do with you. I don't want to talk to you. You're, you're, you're them. I am us. And the communication has broken down. Yeah. And it's, uh, and it's really unfortunate because truthfully speaking, when, when you look at the schism between either side, it's really not all that large. I found myself actually sitting here and, you know, I'll, I'll play into the stereotype this morning. I was watching Fox news and Pete Buttigieg was on and, you know, I found myself thinking, all right, well, he's not where I would vote. Because there's the you know there's the there's the big D in front of him, so you know automatically I wouldn't I wouldn't give him a vote. But when you look at the Democratic pool of candidates, right, watching the debate two nights ago, he's really the most reasonable person up there. And I say that about both sides because politicians are all showmanship. So it's, it, it, I, I think when you look at Pete Buttigieg, for example. Um, you've got a really good case study for where we should be both on the Republican and Democrat side of the table in terms of expression of views and thought processes about how to arrive at a result and not this, I'm going to build 100 miles of wall or I'm going to turn this place into the Soviet Republic of America. Like there's, there's a middle ground and most of us live in that middle ground. Right. Well, most of us, well, most of us think we live in that middle ground. But I think at the end of the day, when you say you're a moderate, you really do go one way or the other. Yeah, you know, you're right. Unfortunately, I think in this era, I think in our parents generation, that was a little different. Um, I mean, uh, I remember growing up, you know, my, my, my parents, they were fairly conservative excuse me, and in their later years, even more so. But in 1996, my dad voted for Bill Clinton, you know? Right. And this is someone that was a registered Republican. Um, We don't vote on results anymore. We vote on ideology. And ideology doesn't, generally speaking, get results. You know, I I think we're learning that the hard way, you know, (laughs) right now on both sides of that coin. Yes, absolutely. You know, I'm reading this book right now. It's called Why We're Polarized by Ezra Klein, because I I find myself always saying, well, why what what is the core? What is the root cause of of where we're at right now? Why don't people want to talk? Why is it us versus them? Why is it all on side? So I found this book because I feel like we are polarized. I think we are. And um I learned this term, which I thought was great. And it was called, it's called ticket splitter, which, you know, back, like you just explained about your dad back in like the seventies, eighties and nineties, you would vote for a Republican president, but a democratic governor because you voted more on the ideas. Now it's become teams. It's like football. It's tribalism. It's, it's, I don't care what, I don't care what they have to say. I'm voting for my party. And you just said, like, you talked about Pete um, Buttigieg, right? I'm the worst with names. I actually like (laughs) him. I actually like him a lot. Um, But 
you said something like, even though he has the D in front of his name, like that he's a Democrat, not that he likes Dick, right? I just wanted to confirm. No, because <laughs> no, I don't I don't give a shit what you like as long as it's not children and horses. And if you do, just keep it to yourself. Exactly. So you just you just like said, you know, even though he has a D and one of my questions I wanted to ask you was out of all the people that are up there right now trying to who are vying for the Democratic nominate nomination, who would you think would do a good job? Who would you actually who would you vote for if you had to vote for one of the Democrats? It would be Mayor Pete. I would really be fascinated to see who his vice presidential pick is. Um, He's so far out of the beltway, so to speak, only having been, you know, a mayor of kind of a, a medium-sized, large city, that it, that his views aren't skewed by the typical DC double talk, and I, I and I really enjoy that. And that, you know, there's there's a there's very few people that you can really go back through modern history that we would remember. And say, okay, that this person is very much like that. You know, you look at um, Ronald Reagan. Uh, you know, by today's standards, he would be a Democrat. There's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, when you look at the extreme right, he would be a Democrat. There are a lot of us, you know, conservatives that go, you know, Reagan was the greatest president of all time. But then you look at the policy that some, some of my fellow conservatives that lean much further right than me push for. These are things that would not sit in his house, so to speak, right? So right. he was far enough out of the beltway. He was the governor of California before he became president of the United States, um, that his views were purely driven by what he was seeing around him, not by who was handing dollars out. And Pete, Mayor Pete hasn't had that really kind of creep into his orbit, if you will, right now. So uh, if I had to, if, you know, if, if everything all came out and the, and the elections were all student Trump did something else, I would vote for him, honestly. Uh, you know, and I say that as a conservative, but I also want to see the mainstream come back because, the, you know, I grew up in New York and the New York that uh, exists today versus when I was growing up doesn't. I mean, it's just it's day and night. It's horrible because it's just there's extremism on both sides. There's fighting in the streets. And that's not really an exaggeration when you watch the news. Uh, and I would hope that maybe getting someone that's more moderate in there would settle some of that for those of us that sit closer to the center as opposed to the outer wings of either side. Because there are some people on the right that you're just never going to please. They're, you know, uh, you know, until you put a hood on them, they're, you know, they're not going to. Um, I don't even think it, they're. I don't think they're afraid to wear their hood anymore. But. Um, you know, you're absolutely right in the, you know, I truly believe the far left is just as fucking crazy as the far right. I think once you get so far over, I'm like, whoa, you know, now, you know, let example, Tucker Carlson, I'm not a big fan of, but I'm also not a fan of Rachel Maddow because I truly believe they're the same. They're, they're trying to do the same thing from different opposite sides of the pole. That is, that, no, that's perfectly true. And, you know, it's funny because sometimes their ideologies smack each other in the ass uh, and look pretty close. I mean, you, you watch that nine o'clock hour of either channel and uh, uh, what's the name of the guy from InfoWars? It's like the oh, mainstream version of him. What's his name, Alex something? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, it, like Rachel and him, it's like, it, you know... <laughs> They're like the equivalent on either side. You know, there's there's no middle ground. It's the world's going to end if it goes this way and the world's going to end if it goes that way. And 
it's not true. Just shut the fuck up and have a beer with someone you disagree with. Well, and I want to clarify that even though I don't like Rachel Maddow or Tucker Carlson, I still think Tucker Carlson is the devil. He's got he's he's got some extremism issues. Like I said, he's you know he's out there. But from my perspective, Rachel Maddow, she's you know she's devil child to me, and that's my perspective. Tucker, I don't I don't agree. I don't like Tucker, um, but uh, but. Just the image of Rachel Maddow makes me want to vomit, too. So it's both sides. <laughs> now, where do you actually get your news from? Like, you just, you mentioned you watch Fox News. I, you know, I watch a little bit of everything, uh, to be honest with you. I, wa- I, I watch a little of everything until I just can't tolerate it. I'm like, all right, that's enough. I read a lot of Wall Street Journal. I read Bloomberg. Um, I like to read some of the international newspapers as well. Um and that's been more the last four or five years, uh, you know, because I used to be pretty, uh, pretty hardcore rooted and seated into my Republicanism. And then kind of as the last election cycle occurred, uh, you know, you, you see things that kind of turn you a little bit back to the norm, if that makes sense. So I try to pick up a little piece of everything and look at the viewpoint. Uh, but I mean, ultimately, you know, if we're going to talk about where my fundamental beliefs come from and what I, what I prefer to read. I'm a fiscal conservative social liberal. So, you know, that just tells you that I, I make decisions for business as well as decency. That's, that's my thought process. So that's where I look for my media is who's putting that out there the best. You know, I've stopped actually watching. Um, well, you know, I, I, I can't get through five seconds of Fox news, but <laughs> I've tried. Yep. No, no, I have tried. I have tried because one of the things is, oh, you know, the liberals or the Democrats, they don't want to understand the other side. So I'm like, all right, let me turn on Fox News and I can maybe get through a minute. And then I'm like, I have diarrhea now. And it's not because I ate something. So <laughs> well, let me ask you no, that. No, hold on. Let me finish my thought because I'm old and I <laughs> sure, forget sure. things very easy. So, um, <laughs> But I also don't like watching CNN and MSNBC anymore either because I've come to this conclusion that these these news channels that are only about news, their whole goal is to tell you what you want to hear so that you come back to them because it's not about giving out information anymore and it's not about, you know, giving the facts anymore. It's I need to tell the people that watch my show or these, this channel, I need to tell them what they want to hear. So they fucking come back because now it, now it's just a business. And, um, so I find, and this sounds so like old man, like, but I find that I like watching the evening news, like Denver ABC, because they sit there and they don't tell you, they don't, you don't know if they're Democrats, Libertarians, Republicans, you don't know who they voted for. They just sit there and they say, today, Donald Trump said this, and now the weather. And, or today, Bernie Sanders said this, or Joe Biden's old and he fell. You know, they just tell you the facts. And then you can sit there and say, okay, I'm going to make my own decision. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and- I, and I would tend to agree with that. Uh, you know, I don't watch as much of the local news down here because in South Florida, Miami area, it's, it, you know, it's all about hype. And I really kind of get tired of hearing about, you know, violence in this place, domestic in this place, missing child here. So I kind of steer away from that. And I go, I, 
instead of watching, I read clip notes. I, I really try to just read clip notes online in general in terms of the news. You know, on the weekends when there's no decent sports on, you kind of have no choice because I'm not a big movie guy. But I guess my question for you, though, oh. is is okay. when so when so when you're when you're out there digesting news, you make a you make a really good point with the whole CNN and Fox and MSNBC. It's it, it, it's really they get people coming back because they're giving you those endorphins. It's intellectual pornography is what that really boils down to. Right. Because it's what you came there for this. And this is what's satisfying you because you wouldn't watch the other one if it didn't satisfy you. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Right. Um, uh, so my thought process is uh, my question for you is, is if you were going to put out a media piece now, considering that fundamentally speaking, you vote on the liberal side of the spectrum. If you're going to generate a media show, where would, how would you source your information? Because the reality is, um, you know, when you're taking information from a campaign manager or even the White House press corps, and this goes back in every administration, they always spin it to the, to the way that looks best because then the only thing they're worried about is the next election. How would you source your information and how would you vet it so that it didn't filter your values in? Because you, you know, you do a great job with your product of putting out information not necessarily in the politics world, but your humor and life experiences. How would you do that on a larger mainstream um, platform uh, so as not to let your values seep through, but to still get the right message out to people? So are you asking me how if how am I going to get my political right. ideas yeah. out there? Well, no. How would you how would you absorb your political information if you're going to try to transpose it out there if you're going to try to transpose it out there how what would you like to see so that you you could absorb it in an ideal context i don't like the i so i'm in this process right now where i'm trying to not uh, take in as much social media and news as possible because the news i believe is set up to make us afraid of everything mm -hmm. so um so that's where I'm at right now. When I'm taking in news, I'm like, all right, just taking a little bit at a time. I honestly, I try not to read a lot of news about the current president. Um, because I have now at this point, three years later, concluded my, you know, I, I know who he is and I don't need any more information about that, if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. So um, I do my best at not taking in a lot of news because I I will start, it will trigger me. And I hate using that word. Like I can't hear his voice anymore. I loved him on The Apprentice. I thought he was great. <laughs> like he was Dude. great on The Apprentice. I just read um, Howard Stern's book, um, Howard Stern Comes Again. And throughout the book, he put lots of, it's a book about, um, all his interviews he's done, the best ones. But throughout the book, he sprinkles lots of calls because Donald Trump would call into the Howard Stern show all the time. Mm -hmm. So, um, and he said, you know, Donald Trump was the, is the best radio guest. He says crazy shit. He says all these great things. But for me, I, at this point, don't need to know anything else he does unless he does something great. He's recently, he's come out with something that I actually, I know it's it's snowing outside, but I had to make sure hell didn't freeze over that I actually <laughs> agreed with. And that's why I want to have this conversation because 
I think in the whole four, three or four years since he's been running and president, there's only one thing that I've been like, okay, that makes sense to me. And it's the, they want to crack down. The GOP wants to crack down on, um, people who come into the country pregnant and then have their baby, because this is a problem. You got the China, you know, you've got the Chinese people, you have the Russians, they have, they literally have companies. They have vacation companies where, Hey, you're eight and a half months pregnant. We're going to put you in a hotel in Miami in a five-star hotel, and you're going to have your baby. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of people who are Republicans understand that because they are so afraid that the Mexicans are coming over the wall and through the Rio Grande in canoes trying to rape and kill us. See, I, I, I partly agree with you there and I partly disagree. Uh, where I agree with you is I, I, I think the skew, the public mainstream skew on the immigration policies very much pushes towards the image of that immigrant. And in the grand scheme of things, the people that are coming over here to make $7 an hour picking her out, they're not a threat to your economy, right? They're really not. Uh, but to your point, the anchor baby problem where you have these, you know, millionaires and billionaires that come from Russia, China, and different parts of the world to do that purely to have that citizenship, that, that definitely is a problem. And the reason why I say it's a problem is not because I want to get into the, you know, the nationalism, tribalism side of things, because I, I like to consider myself a very worldly person. Uh, I, I like to appreciate other cultures, and I love to learn other cultures, and I love the integration of, of, of different cultures. I really don't think America should be one color or one way or another. My problem with it becomes uh, they use that as an economic segue into the business world, because, and this is where I get really corporate-y and, uh, you know, start talking uh, more why I vote conservatively. You, most major corporations and most major industries, uh, you know, airlines, banks, uh, I mean, defense contractors are even more restrictive. You cannot have board members that are not U.S. citizens if, uh, if they control more than 49%, right? Um, so when you think about all these wealthy people that have these kids in the U.S., my first concern is, is this a, is this a way to buy into industry here uh, in a bigger way and move money offshore eventually? Um, those are the things that I think about. Those are the things that bother me about immigration. So, you know, we, we get, like you said, we get stuck on this whole, you know, immigrants crossing the Rio Grande River. Are there security issues? Are there some drug trafficking issues? Are there human trafficking issues? There are. Do we need to handle them? Absolutely. But is that the bigger threat to the country? I don't really think so. I think the economic threat is exactly where it comes from. People are doing exactly what you're concerned about. And that's more of a long run picture um, than short run. You know, the, the, I don't want to bash other countries, but, you know, the Chinese economic engine, for example, you know, they've already made their inroads into into the country and money moves offshore very easily because of the way they've made those inroads. And those are the things that bother me um, with the current immigration structure, particularly that anchor baby problem that you've discussed. Do you? Well, I didn't use that term because I believe that is not the PC term, but that's OK, because you don't have to be PC on the show. You could say whatever you want. Just don't use the N word. So you would never, you would never, but do you think that, um, 
So speaking of that, do you think, because it seems like a lot of Republicans, they're very focused on Mexicans. Do you, but seem to not be talking or concerned about the Russians or the Chinese coming over and having their babies and then their baby has citizenship. Do you think it has to do with the color of people's skin? Because, one second, because because when you're Russian and Chinese, you still have a complexion that looks like mine. But if you're dark skinned, you're an other, which means I don't feel comfortable with you and you're going to come over here and you're going to take my jobs picking tomatoes, which Americans don't want to do anyway. So, uh, look, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that that's, you know, there is a portion where, you know, that that's definitely a factor, unfortunately, it's, you know, and that's 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 the disgusting piece of, uh, you know, the extreme conservative side. Um, I, I also think I, I think when you talk about the president. Uh, and, and as it plays on mainstream media, um, there's probably there's definitely some of that, but it's also that it's the easier relatable side of it, right? That's the piece that's the most visible, uh, it, you know, in certain parts of this country. You know, you go to California, and you know, you go to the different types of farming communities, right? It's the, you know, it, it's not one type of people. It's very specifically most of the time a certain other types of people. So that's the easiest image to convey, unfortunately. And it's not right. That's the bottom line. It's, you know, it's highly inappropriate, but that's the image they choose to convey. I, you know, what do you mean? Who, who do you, who, um, conveys that image? You look at Fox, you look at, you know, you look at the hard line, extreme conservative side of the party, you know, uh, that's, that's where the image that they're coming at with is being conveyed. Uh, and and let's let, let's be real. You know, if you're if you're the supposed titan, you know, if you're in one of these well-off families that you know that you know owns all sorts, whatever you know, whatever whatever industry you're in, uh, and you have the wealth and the money to even be concerned about where tax dollars are going, because you know the reality is, is you. One of my friends once told me, you're not really rich until you pay taxes in April. If you get a return, you're part of the normal population, right? That's the way it was laid out to me. And if you're one of those people that has to pay every year because you make that much money, why are you worried about them taking jobs in this country? Because it's a job you wouldn't do in the first place. Let me ask you, you had mentioned something about you liked Pete Buttigieg and you said something to the effect of, um, well, if Trump did something else, which kind of led me to think like if if between now and to election, if Pete's running against Trump, what would Trump have to do to get at this point? Because in my mind, he's done enough. But what would he have to do for you to say, you know what? I'm done with this nonsense. I'm going to vote for the Democrat. Now, oh, I'm sorry. That's one question. Have you ever voted for a Democrat? I have actually at, at the local level in Long Beach. I actually voted after Superstorm Sandy. I voted pure Democrat on the uh, on the city council elections okay. uh, because at that time, I felt that they were doing a great job at helping with the recovery in Long Beach. 
Okay, very good. I actually voted for George W. Bush the second time. Really? 2004. I obviously you haven't read my book because in one of my books I confess that and um and it was because I consider myself like I said to be a ticket splitter. I'm going to vote for who I think is going to do the job at the moment and we were in the middle of a war and I was not that big of a fan of John Kerry. I didn't think John Kerry was strong enough and I said, "You know what? I'm going to I'm just going to vote my gut instinct right now because we're in the middle of this war and I don't want to go through the change of the guards per se at this moment. That's uh, no, but that's uh, that that that's an interesting piece because I feel like that's uh, that's a reason why I might vote one way or another too if we're, you know, if we're in a circumstance like that, you know, because global look I don't care what side of the, the spectrum that you vote on. Uh, look, globalism's not going away. We're part of a global economy. We're part of an international population. Uh, and one of the things that I think kind of makes me eh, sometimes with President Trump, a lot of times actually, is the way he zigzags on international policy. Because at one moment we're hitting China really hard and this, that, and the other thing. And then it's, you know, you know, I just had a wonderful telephone call with Xi Jinping, you know, and, and makes it sound like they're golf buddies. And, you know, after they retire, they're going to go hunting in Montana together. And that bothers me. Well, it doesn't it to me, it makes us look weak. Yeah, well, that well, that's that's exactly it. I, I, I can't say that President Obama made us look strong on the global side of things. But President Trump constantly zigzagging on the global scene also concerns me. Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, at the G20 summit and all that, you know, the prime minister of Canada and, you know, all these other, and these European nations, they're all making jokes about him because you don't truly know where he stands. Um, which kind of brings me to my next point. I think we were going to kind of go into this anyway. I felt that I, I, I felt the heat of that moment coming. Well, 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 well. Um, I still wanted you to answer the question. Hold that thought. I still wanted you to answer the question of what would Trump have to do from now until Election Day, November 3rd, for you to vote for Pete if he was the nominee or anyone's the nominee? Uh, look, so, look, if something if something further morally, uh, you know, agrarious comes out uh, or if he does anything that, you know, upsets the apple cart on the economy. Uh, that, that would, those would be the two big things. You know, at this point, I vote on economics because I understand that the president is really a figurehead and it's all showmanship. You know, presidential elections are all showmanship. Uh, you, you know, unless you're talking about controlling the Supreme Court appointments, you know, if, if there's no appointments coming up, it's all showmanship. Everything else really in my eyes comes down to what the house and the senate can do which is a whole different you know bail yarn right now too right um but I, you know i i accept him for what he is and it's really just a whipsaw to you know the the extreme right that's where he came from that's where his manifestation uh and you know ultimately his election came from it, it is a whipsaw of the extreme left view but what but if correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't he a Democrat for a long time? He was, but this is, and this is this is where the showmanship point comes in. You know, you uh, you know, I reference back to 
you know, when you mentioned that you loved him on the show, The Apprentice, you know, growing up in New York, Donald Trump's always on the tip of your tongue, right? Because he was always in the news in New York, you know, mm-hmm. for what, whether it was, you know, the ice skating rink way back when I was real young or, you know, the airline or just having this giant tower with big gaudy gold letters on it, whatever it is, he always found a way to keep himself in the forefront or have his picture in the paper, right? So to me, being elected president is just kind of the cherry on top. That's him hitting the pinnacle, so to speak, of that way of living for him. And not so much because he has any true formal political values. I really don't, I don't believe he does. Because like you said, he was a Democrat. He was a Democrat all the way up to, I think it was about 2012 or so, when he started spouting off on Twitter about politics. Uh, And, you know, I think his first topic actually was the immigration topic. And, you know, at that point, I think he realized he was getting a lot of pull and a lot of likes. He was getting that, you know, he was getting those endorphins I keep mentioning, so to speak, um, from people that sit very far out on the extreme right. And that was his opportunity to go, well, I'm going to make a whole bunch of fans out of these people because that wouldn't ordinarily be a group that would pay attention to, enjoy, or respect a billionaire from New York City. Right. You know, um, for three years now, I've been trying to wrap my brain around why poor people in small towns who don't have a lot of money say, he gets me, this guy gets me, right? This guy gets me. And I've always been like, wait a minute, this guy sits on a fucking gold toilet. No, he doesn't get you. He doesn't get... He doesn't get you. So then I, um, I was listening to a lot of podcasts prior to this show, prior to starting my own, right? And I listen, I love Joe Rogan. And I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast. And he talks a lot about Trump and stuff like that. And he said something that really registered with me. And he said, Trump is the king of assholes. That... If you've been sitting there and you've been saying, oh man, I wish somebody was against the Mexicans and I wish somebody was against this and I wish somebody against that and I'm in a small town and I, I, you know, I'm tired of these elite people in the big cities with their educations and blah, blah. And then Trump comes along and he writes stupid shit on Twitter. He spells words wrong. Um, People are like, oh yeah, look, he's saying asshole things like I want to say. And when I heard that, it all made sense to me. And I'm not calling you an asshole because you're my friend. No, um, but <laughs> do you think that there's any truth to that? There, No, but there is. There's 100% truth to that. That's why I say he is the whipsaw to the extreme opposite side viewpoint, right? Because he says the things that people that are on that other end, on that extreme end, want to hear. He gives them the endorphins. He gives them that fist bump, so to speak that validates viewpoints that aren't necessarily moral or appropriate as Americans. We're, you know, we're a melting pot nation. You know, I, if I were to sit there and say that, this, that, you know, you're not American, you can't be here. That would be a problem because my family only came to the United States in the early 1900s. And my wife's family only came to the United States in the 1990s. <laughs> so, you know, who would I be to, you know, to sit there and say that and believe that? So, <laughs> When you look at what he says versus what he does, I think you see that there's two opposite there's there's two opposite things going on. 
but it's the opportunity for him to increase his showmanship. And that's what it really comes down to, right? Because when he gets out of office, whatever's going to happen to him, he's going to come out a much richer person on the backs of people that don't necessarily understand that. And I hate to, you know, I apologize to any of the listeners that come from small town America that have gone out of their way to further educate themselves and, you know, make themselves worldly people. But there are a lot of people sitting in these small in small town America that have never experienced a, a truly metropolitan world like New York or San Francisco or Miami and sat down and had a cup of coffee with someone that is not like them, does not speak their language well, and does not have the same beliefs and understood why their beliefs are that way. And those are the people that he grabs to. Right. And those are the people that are going to keep him rich after he comes out of office. Yeah, they probably are. Um, when So I asked you what would make you vote against him in the 2020 election, and you said something about more if he did something morally wrong or something to that effect or something with the economy. And my first thought was what? I want to know exactly what could he do at this point that may, would make you morally, morally, because, you know, I am more on the social side of the world. I don't want to be embarrassed by the president. I, I understand economy is important and I want to get richer and stuff like that. But I also don't want to look like fools. So at what point, like what now to this day, what could he say or do? Because in my mind, he, he has said enough. Uh, and, and I agree with that. So let me preface by saying this. My vote for him was a vote against Hillary Clinton, not a vote for him. Perfect, because that's a question right? I have. Go ahead. Yeah, my vote, my, my vote for him wasn't a vote for him. It was a vote against Hillary Clinton and that establishment. Because I, under, I grew up in the era of, you know, the, the Clinton family when they were in power. And I lived in New York and I saw how things went in New York while she was senator. Um, so it was more a vote against her than a vote for him. Okay. I think that at this point, morally speaking, he's done enough where in any other generation, uh, you're talking about, you know, someone wouldn't even come out of their hole. You look at Richard Nixon. I mean, he lied on tape about, you know, a couple of repairmen breaking into a hotel to steal election documents, campaign documents. And you never heard a word from him again until he, until you know, it was time for his funeral, you know? Right. Um, so really what it comes down to is if something else did drop, I, I would have no choice. Because morally speaking, I consider myself to have morals. I value people as human beings, uh, you know, and unfortunately, some of the things that come out of his mouth do not reflect that. But I have, I have such a hard time with that statement that you just made because I can, I can respect that people hated... People hated Hillary Clinton, hated her. Like, I don't think anyone's ever hated a presidential nominee as much as people hated Hillary Clinton. Can you agree with that? Like, hated that Absolutely, absolutely. Um, because, you know, and I, you know what? I wasn't a fan of Hillary Clinton. I don't like the idea of families running the country. I don't like dynasties. You know, it's like I shouldn't be seeing husbands and wives and brothers and cousins and dads. I, no, that's not what move on. We need a, We need fresh blood. But I can remember, I, I'll i be honest, I was never going to vote for Donald Trump. I was going to probably vote Green Party. Okay. No, not Green okay. Party. No. What was her name? 
Um, no, Jill Stein. Uh, well, no, no. Yeah, it, Jill Stein. I was, yeah. I was probably going to vote for the libertarian guy. And trust me, I am not a politics person, so I don't even remember his name. But I was like, you know, I'm not a big fan of Clinton, and I'm definitely not a fan of Trump. So as we were getting closer and he was saying stupid shit, like I could go out on the street and shoot someone and not lose any votes and Mexicans are sending the worst rapists over. And the, and the day he was in the debate and he called Hillary a nasty woman, I said, you know what? I can't waste my vote on the libertarian. I'm going to have to vote for Hillary Clinton because I cannot I have to stop this man from becoming president because he is going to embarrass the fuck out of me. So you and so taking you into into the picture, you did not like Clinton. You hear all these things from Donald Trump. At any point, do you say, God, this guy's a fucking I can't vote for him. So while I'm disgusted by the things that he's I was not voting for him. I was purely voting on party. And, uh, you know, and that's, you know, people are going to judge me. I'm sure a lot of people are, you know, going to dislike me, you know, listening to the podcast. And that's that, you know, well, that's, that's not fine. the goal. My, that's not the goal. The goal is to. I, no, I get that. But po but politics is a very polarizing thing. Right. You know, but the bottom line is, is I don't care who you are, what you like, what you do. If you need a jacket and food, I'm going to give you a jacket and feed you some food. But politics, unfortunately, takes the niceness out of people. And this is why this discussion is really, I think it's really important that we're having this discussion. Oh, absolutely, yeah. um, this, this, but this, you know, this is why someone like, you know, Pete Buttigieg resonates with me because he doesn't, he's not, he's not part of the machine and he's not telling you what you want to hear, which is what Donald Trump does. And we all know that everyone knows that all the conservatives look, the impeachment trial, you know, you want to talk about that. That was a whole fear game because now if he does win in a landslide election, a lot of these people are in a lot of trouble in the Senate if they did not acquit him. We all know it. Most of us conservatives won't admit it. And that's on, you know, that's on them. That's fine. But the reality is, is that when it comes down to voting on ideologies, I vote primarily on taxes because I believe that at a core fundamental level, when you look at the House and the Senate, because the way those elections work and the way people vote, people tend, and you see it because you see it the way pre during presidential election years, you see the way a state will swing where, you know, district reps will go Democrat, but the president wins the state, right? Mm -hmm. So I see the balance there, which is why I'm not afraid to vote for President Trump or wasn't afraid to, because I knew that the teeth were not truly there. Any action that he's going to take center stage is going to get the pushback. And, you know, you look at Mitt Romney, look, uh, during, during the impeachment process, right? How, I guarantee you, for Mitt Romney, there were probably 10 other senators that wanted to vote that way. But unfortunately, their cheese is so, so far up the tree at this point, politically and professionally speaking, that they had no choice, right? Once you've been in office for 50 years, you're going to, you know, it, it, it's hard to walk away from that, unfortunately. And this is where the whole moral compass problem with politics in general comes from, because you're almost poor. I don't believe any of them have integrity at all on both sides. I, I think I agree with that. You know, I 
I was doing some research, you know, 150 years ago, you know, you'd run for city council or you'd run for governor and then you'd leave your farm or you'd leave your job as a lawyer and you'd go and you'd, you know, serve the people for four years or whatnot. And then you'd fucking leave and you'd go back to your goddamn farm or whatever the fuck you were doing and you'd live your life. Now these pol politicians, it's a career. And I don't think that's the way it was supposed to be. It wasn't. Unfortunately, though, um, academics, you know, this might surprise academics have real are, are really um, what caused that. You look at most of these elected politicians, there are very few of them, right? Mm -hmm. Even on the Republican side of the House, there are very few of them who spent more than 10 years in any sort of private practice or private industry where the paycheck is wasn't guaranteed by a government agency as an elected official or otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and people are groomed to this. You look at political science degrees, right? You look at people that go out, and, and it's not to knock because there are people in private, you know, that have been in private industry their whole life that have these poli-sci degrees, and they work in all different industries that don't relate to the government necessarily. Um, but you look at people that go out there and they get these poli-sci degrees with the intent, with the pure intent that they're going to run for office and make a career in office, kind of shoving their personal values down people's throats. And this is where the, you know, I call it, and they leave these little jingle bells out there for the voters where it's like, oh, I resonate on that specific thought. So you've got my vote, as opposed to looking at that whole picture. And I think we're, and we're all at fault for that. Every single one of us, you know, is at fault for voting that way. Do you think um, we should have term limits on Senate members and House Paul. members? Hundred percent. Yeah, how the fuck One. does that happen? You know, why am I looking at videos from, or why am I reading articles from 1972 where Joe Biden was a senator? That's mm -hmm. the year I was fucking born. You're, you're right, though. It's almost absurd. Like, like, and that's one of the reasons I like Pete because, and this is going to sound like an ageist thing, but I don't really give a fuck. It's my show. Yeah, I whatever. What I want. I'm tired of old people running the country. There, said it, done. I'm, I'm, fucking, I, I'm sorry, but if you're 85 years old, you don't understand the current environment. And I don't care what you say. You could change, you could flip flop. You know, you were for abortions and you were against abortions in 72, but now you're for gay rights. I, I, am t I want someone with fresh eyes who isn't, who's young, who has a whole life. Like, like, let's take Bernie Sanders for it. He, what does he have, like five years left? Yeah, yeah, what, he's what, lucky. Like, if he, he just had a fucking heart surgery. Like, I want somebody who's like, hey, I want to make this country great because I still have 60 fucking years left. And that was another resonant issue that got President Obama elected. He was young. He was relatively inexperienced. Unfortunately, I think the machine got into his head during the second term. But he, but that's what energized people, you know. But don't they always you know, don't they always get more um, ballsy in the second term because they're like, I'm not going to run again, so I'm just going to fucking throw it all out there. No, I, I, absolutely, a hundred percent. But if but if we're talking about what got him elected in the first place, right. it was the fact that he was young and he had that energy 
to get out there. He could he could sit there with the 16 year old kid and relate to that kid because he was only maybe you know he was third oh less than 30 years I think at that time older than the teenager and you know the pop culture references and so on and so forth. I'm sorry, but Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump they don't get that. They're not going to catch the references. They're not going to. They're not. They can't relate at a very core level uh, to the young voters, conservative or liberal. Yeah, I am, um, and and I'll just say that at I am going to vote for the. I am in a party line, and I am going to vote for the Democratic person because no matter who it is, because I'm going to. I need a fucking break from this Trump four years, um, but. When I look at all the people that are running, I just, I don't know. Something just tells me, yeah, you can't connect. And I don't want, and it sounds terrible, but it's true. I don't want somebody old anymore. I want young politicians who have um, a future. I, I think a lot of people sit in that viewpoint, but, but, but the barrier of entry is the problem. And what I mean by the barrier of entry is name recognition. I think, you know, Pete Buttigieg, he's a rare, he's a really, really, really rare um, example, I think. Uh, if he were to make it to the, Demo you know, to the general election as the Democrat candidate, uh, he would be, him and Jimmy Carter would really be the only two people that just kind of popped from out of nowhere because, because they resonated. And, you know, President Carter only served one term Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, he had some very bad economic decisions and, you know, so be it. He's a great human being, I believe, uh, regardless, but it, you know, Buttigieg is just, there's something about him when you, when you look at him on stage with everyone else, Biden, there's a reason why Biden has not been able to break that seal. And I don't know what it is because, uh, you know, I haven't spent enough time, you know, studying deeper into his political history prior to him being the vice presidential candidate. Uh, you know, in 2008, but there's a reason why he hasn't been able to break through. This is his third time running as the primary candidate to become president of the United States. And he's failing. He's in fourth place right now. Right. So there's, there's something there, you know, and then, and then you have the other pieces, you know, you, you've got Mrs. Identity politics who can't figure out what she is. Who's that? Elizabeth? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, what you do know? you think about Amy? I can't say her last name. I'm an awful American. Klobu oh, Klobuchar? Klobuchar? Yeah. yeah. So she's, she's an interesting person in that she's not afraid to be outspoken, but I think most people stray away from her because they just don't know what she stands for. You know, they, they get that she's a Democrat and she's sitting left of center. They're not sure how far left you know, or how close to moderate she is. And she doesn't do herself any favors. You know, when you watch these debates, um, she really doesn't do herself a lot of favors uh, with getting the message out because she's afraid to kind of, <laughs> excuse me, use the flight attendant Joe uh, method of getting out there and just being like, hey, I'm here. She doesn't do that. Right. Like if I was running for president, I want to run for city council here in my town because I would get up and be like, fuck this. No, <laughs> I'd last one day. But you, um, no, you, honestly, you might you might do well in Colorado. I'd, pro I'd probably have to run. Well, no, you know, it's a purple state. Yeah, well, that's why I'm saying you, 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 if you hit the line right, you might do really well. No, I, I can't run for politics. It. I would have a heart attack very, very young because I don't. I can't handle that stuff. But um, like with Amy, 
I did this test online. It was like, uh, I think I was bored. Maybe Pornhub was down. I don't know. <laughs> but I did this thing like, who do you connect with the most of the Democratic nominees? And it was Amy. Like, And I'll be honest, I don't even know what she's about because she's not one of the ones you think of. You think of Joe, you think of Bernie, you think of Elizabeth. You, now you're thinking of Pete. Do you know that a lot of gays don't like Pete? Why is that? It, I th I think it's because they don't think he's a good gay because I guess he doesn't take go on the gay Atlanta cruise and he does coke off somebody's ass and gets barebacked by three bears. I, don't know. I mean, I mean, I I think that I think that is actually it because I've read somewhere where they're like he's a bad gay. A, what the fuck is a bad gay? You know what? Going to drag shows isn't my favorite thing. I mean, I'll go and I, I I have fun. But if you said to me, do you want to sit on the sofa and read a book or go to a drag show? I'm going to sit at home and read a book. Does that mean I'm a bad gay? So, no, you just, you're who, you're who you are. Who gives right. a fuck about the identity but, politics? But it's so, I was so bizarre because I'm like, here you've got this young He's a very, he's handsome. He's married. He's a fucking Christian. He's in the military. He was in the military. I'm like, this guy's got it all. This guy, yeah, you know, he doesn't have the experience because he was the mayor. But I mean, he's, he's got it all going on for him. And they don't like him because why? He, um, apparently I heard that he had some kind of event and there were pole dancers and he said, no, he wasn't going to do it. I'm not going to do that either if I'm running for president. Well, and this is and this is where the whole there's a professional barrier that has to be administered in life, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's cool. You, you do whatever the fuck you want at home, whatever, man. But like, out, out in public, you know, when you're in that C-suite, so to speak, category of life, there's a there's a certain line, regardless, that you 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 kind of have to carry because what we what we see here in America and what's acceptable to us in America. That's one thing, right? But now, if he, if he gets elected president of the United States and all that stuff's out there, how's he going to talk to the Saudis? They're not, they're, they're not even going to, you know, they're going to be like, oh, well, you're, which, you know, I get it. The next question will be, what about President Trump? And yep, you are correct. Well, no, because President Trump knows how to talk to them because he's a, he's got a lot of money and he's, he's kind of the, he's a bully. So, you know, these are bullies talking to each other. Hey, do this, do this, do this. So, I can understand how Trump, and I, I just can't say President Trump. I respect you. I got it. That. It's fine. That's, but that's, I, that's you know what? what? I'm actually being nice because I usually just call him 45. <laughs> Look, I, I appreciate, I, I respect the office, not necessarily a particular person, because you know that I get you. We've been friends for so long that you knew that there were certain policies that President Obama put out there that I disagree with, but. You have to own, you have to respect the seat, not the person in the seat. That's the way I look at it. Well, yeah, like um, I wish he respected the presidency, but that's I agree with that. Right now, like with Obama, I can remember one time you said you wrote on Facebook or something. You're like, I may not have agreed with all of Obama's policies, but I would have totally got a drink with him, and he would be fun to hang out with. A hundred percent. I and and I and I stand by that. If if I got a call from someone on his staff and they're like, hey, man come to D.C., you're going to hang out with Barack, I'd be like, fuck yeah, you tell me what time to be at the airport. Right. Would you hang out with Donald Trump? No, I, actually, I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't, and the reason why is because I just, he says one thing, but I don't necessarily agree that that's where he stands, and I wouldn't want to put myself in that in a position where if he did something immoral in front of me, 
and Congress had to march me out there. I don't want to do that. I don't want anything to do with that shit. <laughs> well, you can't talk. Well, you if that happened, you wouldn't be able to, you know, go on, go in front of Congress and you know talk about it because look, his um, he was acquitted and he's already ousted um, Sondland and um, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman. So well, the, I mean, well, the nice thing the nice thing is I don't work for him, so he can't do shit to me. That's true. I mean, that is true. Since the election, have you lost any family or friends over politics? Uh, no, not family. Uh, you know, and the friends that I've lost clearly weren't close enough friends to me to know who I am as a person. Um, you know, and, and and to understand that my core value frame is, you know, I action values. I don't espouse them, right? Um, but I've also made it a very strong point not to really post anything political one way or another too often, unless it's something that it's, you, you know, there, there's a serious moral issue with, um, you know, for example, you know, the, you know, the bail reform program in New York, that's really the only thing political that I really deep dive deep into. And that's because I have a vested interest, uh, you know, having been in the law enforcement world up there and having many close friends there and family still in New York, that particular issue and what's going on between the dynamic between de Blasio and Cuomo really bothers me and affects me. Um, but other than that, I try not to get into the politics. And when people wrote me into it, I leave it alone. Right. I've tried to rope you into it on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter anymore. I canceled my Twitter account because I found that I was it. Twitter is like the devil, like the devil. <laughs> and it's just, it's just so toxic, but here, think about this. So you said you lost some, you, the friends that you maybe did lose, they weren't that close because they didn't know who you were. But yeah, think of it this way. And this is how I, this is what I've been struggling with. Say you have friends who are Trump supporters. And, and you know, mm -hmm. I put people into two categories. I put the people into the category of, I hated Hillary Clinton so much. And I want, I thought he was a businessman and I ignored that he filed bankruptcy four times, but he's a businessman. He's going to get America back on track. So I'm going to vote for him. That's 2016, 2020, mm -hmm. 2020. If today you're sitting here and you're telling me he's, th this is the best president we've ever had. And he gets me and he's done the best job ever. And I'm not embarrassed by him. I immediately start questioning the person because think of it this way. Say, you know, look at what Trump stands for, um, whether it's economy, whether it's social, the way he presents himself. People, if you say, yeah, that's my president, people are going to put you under that umbrella. They're not right. going to, they can't, they can't, they're not going to say, well, he likes Trump because Trump's a businessman. They're going to say, no, no, he likes Trump because he thinks Mexicans are racist and he's trying to build a wall. So... I think that I've, I've lost one friend. I actually, and it was my doing and it was early, early on. I, I had a friend for like 20 years. We hadn't spoken in like 10 and then we got back into, into touch and we were friends for a couple years and it was right after the election. The wounds were very, very wide open and um, he would just pour salt in them constantly. And I would, 
And I was like, I can't be your friend anymore. And that's the only person that I've, um, and I, I, I regret it a little bit because I feel, I think I could have handled it differently instead of just deleting them off Facebook and saying, I can't even talk to you. You know what though? Maybe it wasn't necessarily a permanent thing. Maybe it's a break, you know, I, and I, I, cause look, but there are certain people that I just, I have to put on mute. And that's on both sides of the spectrum. Cause look, you know me, I, I'm friends with people from every single sect of the world. I mean, I'm friends with people that are avowed communists. That's their view. I don't agree with it, but do I enjoy hanging out with them? Can we sit down and watch a movie together and laugh our asses off? You bet. And that's what counts for me. Right? right? Yes. I think that's important. You, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing to mute. I think when we start cutting those lines, I think we start isolating ourselves into, you know, into the echo chamber. That, and that's, that's dangerous. That that's regardless of the side, that's extremely dangerous because that's, that's how you get into the place where the people that don't acknowledge the existence of, you know, the moral and professional infidelities of whether it's president Trump or Hillary Clinton, right? When you can't acknowledge those anymore, or those don't matter to you anymore, you, you, you kind of have a problem, you know, um, nice. because that just, that just proves that you're in an echo chamber and you only hear what you want to hear. And you create an environment where that's all you can hear. And the minute that you hear something that's even a half a note off in your, you can't handle it anymore. And that's a problem because that's not how, what our country was founded on. I agree with that. I, and I, and I'm not going to lie. I do struggle with people who still support Donald Trump. I have a hard, because I'm, I'm, I, I question how, how can, how can you, not you, but anyone, how can someone, I should say, hear everything that he does be, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to come to my conclusion in a minute, how, you know, people can hear what he says, see how he acts and still say, yep, that's my guy. Like I've had a problem with that. And then thank God when I heard Joe Rogan say he's the king of assholes, I was like, oh, that makes sense. But regarding the impeachment the other day, I knew he was going to be acquitted. I'm not a moron, right? I understand that the Republican senators have to to walk the line because they want to get reelected. They don't have a backbone. They don't have, I, like I said, I don't think any of them have integrity, all Dems, Republicans, whatnot. They all have an agenda that they're pushing. Um, of course. But I realized, I said to myself, how much is this motherfucker going to get away with? Like, when is he going to be held accountable? Because, you know, we, we've, we've all been told karma comes back around and, you know, you get what you deserve. But this motherfucker just keeps winning. And, and, then I, and then I read somewhere where it was like, get that out of your mind because that's not always the case. And some people are slippery and they slip through the cracks and they always get away with shit. And then it brought me back to my, my adopted father who was a bad man and who was a child molester and who died a free person. And I was like, oh, I have a problem with people who aren't held accountable. I, and, and I agree with that. My thought process on this is, don't forget, your immunity to the criminal justice system and your immunity to, you know, and, and look, he may not, he may, may never go behind bars for any of the, you know, indiscretions that he's done, right? But 
you have to think he's going to get sued off his ass when he comes out of office, no matter what. You know, he's going to spend the rest of his life litigating both for political and for real reasons. He's going to spend the rest of his life doling out settlements and litigating and going to court. You know, every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday are going to be freaking district court in Manhattan for the rest of his life after he comes out of office. Oh, sure. No matter what. No matter what. Right? So the accountability might not be now. It may be in four more years. But I just, I can't see it not happening because, and that's the really magnificent thing about the way our country was set up constitutionally. And it's one of the other big reasons why I am a conservative, right? Because I believe in states' rights. And at the state level in New York, even though I agree with almost nothing politically going on in New York, the criminal justice system is on his ass like a chihuahua that still has its balls. <laughs> oh, I love both those things, actually. That you, you, <laughs> that you use that phrase and that they're on his ass like a chihuahua with its balls. Go ahead. You know, um, it, so... To sit there and say, oh, well, he's just going to skate free for the rest of his life. He might not, you know, for the people that wish it for him to be held accountable, he might not be held accountable in the way that people fantasize and dream about. But there's going to be a level of accountability because, you know, you think about because, look, President Obama had his faults. And if you don't think that his administration had massive amounts of internal corruption, it's the Democratic machine, just like the Republican machine. Each machine has its own gears. They just churn different things, right? right? And think about all the shit that people in his administration and him almost directly a couple of times with some of these federal investigations has had to put up with, right? Right. You know, so when you, so when you, so when you look at the amount of flack that's been hitting his shield over the course of these last three and a half years since he left office, how much flack do you think is going to be flying DJT's way after he leaves office, whether it's in November or, you know, in 2024. That's true. Um, yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. When he's out of office, hopefully this year. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, his, you know, he's not a happy person in general anyway. Like, look at the man. No. He's not happy. His ego is so, he's so overpowered by id and ego that he can't even function without being praised. And um, definite, and like I, I've said a, mo a few times, I think all politics, Democrats, Republicans, everyone is, they all are fucking ridiculous. They're all crazy. They all have their criminal activity and whatnot. But Donald Trump, he embarrasses me. And I remember I would say like, God, I wish you like, why isn't someone taking his fucking phone away? Get him off Twitter. I bet you <laughs> if he wasn't on Twitter, more people would not despise him. They would think, you know, oh, he's just a blowhard who's just saying everything for his base. Because I don't believe, and you might think about this with Obama, I don't know, but I don't, you know, when, when you're running for president, you're running, you're, you're telling everybody, I'm going to be everyone's president. Right. And then you get into office and then you kind of become your, pre then you become who you're going to be, right? But I mm -hmm. don't think he is even trying and correct me if I'm wrong, if you think differently, that he's even trying to be everyone's president. I think he's trying to be his base's president. And I don't know who told him that was a good idea, but it's not. No, I, I, but uh, but here's the thing. And this is unfortunately, I think more and more, look, uh, you know, if he, get, if he doesn't end up being reelected, 
Maybe the opportunity to swing it happens, but I don't really necessarily believe that. I think from this point on in, we've kind of lost that. If we don't find some sort of a diamond in the rough that manages to get through the machine on either party, I think I think we're at a point, and so a big piece of this is social media. Uh, you know, you think about Twitter, Facebook, and and the fact that everyone, no matter how small, and it's not it, you know to degrade anyone's value of station in life, um, but no matter how small a voice or a, a demographic you are, if you can project it the right way, you're loud enough to speak for a larger portion of the population, and I think. Unfortunately, we've kind of crossed the bridge that you can't go back over in that sense. Um, that, or at least it's going to be very hard to get back over um, because, you know, President Trump has, you know, he's proved that because his base is are the only people that aren't going, oh, fuck, every single time he speaks. Oh, my you know? God. It's like, it's like, do you, when you hear him speak or when you read a Twitter, do you just think this motherfucker is not the brightest crayon in the box. I don't, honestly, I don't follow him on Twitter. And, oh. and there are a lot, of, and there are a lot of people that would probably be, probably be shocked about that. But I don't, I, I really make it a strong point not to, you really to should. follow. You should, you'd be a Democrat by the end of the week. <laughs> no, I see. I, I don't think I would because, uh, you know, when I look at the financial business perspective, you know, look at things like the tax structure and all that stuff, um, I, I, I've always kind of got to keep my thumb on that. And I always think about that. Um, but I just, I can't follow him because the things that he spouts off that there, there's no meat to his statements to me, you know, he, he's saying things, but there's nothing in it. There's no real content. Right. So I, and I just, I can't, I can't follow that. Like, especially on my Twitter. I really try to keep my Twitter to strictly aviation and sports right. and even sports sports is becoming more and more my politics to the point where I almost have to leave baseball alone because this Houston Astros cheating scandal has just, it's brought my blood pressure up probably a good five points as a Yankee fan. So <laughs> the last thing I need is to follow him on Twitter. You know, in the, yes. Well, I mean, if you want, like a, I've talked to a few Trump supporters who are like, oh, no, I'm not on Twitter. And I'm like, you really should read what this buffoon says. Because it's it's the I truly believe it's the reason why a lot of people poke fun at him constantly, because the things he says, you're right, there's no meat in them. It's it's all I want to get. I want to I want to put fear in my base. I want to sound angry. I like to put the wrong words in bold. He capitalizes the wrong words when he's trying to make a, a uh -huh. it's just, it's just absurdity. And that's why I'm embarrassed. Do okay. you, do you think members of the GOP, the senators, the, do you think they're afraid of him? Cause he, Absolutely. he, he's like a, He's like a mob boss. Now, I don't know if he's in the mob. I don't know if he's in the, like, I, I'm not a conspiracy theory. He doesn't have the blood to be in the mob. I'll tell you that right now. But, and look, and look, I, I pray to my, to my deceased grandfather, my grandfather, Charles, I'm, you know, I'm sorry for this, but there's a way about that era 
that people from that era, because Donald Trump is from the era of both of my grandparents, right? Well, on both sides of my family, right? There was an era and a way of working that is not morally correct or fundamentally sound by today's standards. And that is the way he has functioned. And that is the way a lot of these senators that have been in office for 30, 40, 50 years function too, right? It's about, you get me now, I got you later, or I got this on you, don't fucking forget it. There's a lot of that. And Donald Trump, if you pull, if you pluck all the way back through history, right, he's been in bed with everyone, so to speak. I mean, literally and proverbially. <laughs> and, he, and he's been pissed on, probably. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, so... it's not improbable that he has enough juice on certain people, you know, especially the coastal elite states, you know, you go to Massachusetts, New York, Florida, California. Look, I don't give a shit how you hold yourself out politically. Unfortunately, everyone has a price. And I'm giving you a hint, Joe. I got a price, too. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Hey, you know what? That was actually the first question I was going to ask you. I was going to say, you know, Ryan, a few years ago, I asked you, what would be your price to let a guy blow you? And you said zero. And I thought that was odd because everyone's got a price. So has your price changed now that you're married? Oh yeah, yeah. My yes. wife, my wife has expensive habits. She just went shopping in Paris while I was at work in California exactly. last week. So now you're like, <laughs> now you're like, I'll let a gay guy blow me for fifty bucks. Yeah, I'm like, look, man, I just got to make the cable bill so I can watch baseball next oh my year. God. <laughs> but, um, I like that. I, <laughs> I was going to ask you that, but then we got caught up in jumping right into the conversation. Um, no. <laughs> I, I totally forgot what I was going to say, too, because I started talking about sucking dick. And, you know, that just <laughs> completely throws my brain out. But um, I think you were talking about how Donald Trump was from your same grandparents. And I was talking about what does he have on these people? Because I take Lindsey Graham, for instance. Lindsey Graham, right? You know who that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. This is the dude who stood up and said, if Donald Trump gets the nomination... Our country's fucked. Basically, that's what he said. And now uh-huh. he is he is so far up Donald Trump's butt, he can smell Melania's tits. <laughs> and I am not, like I said, I'm not a conspiracy theorist person, but I'm like, Donald Trump has something on this motherfucker because nobody flips that much of a script. I'll bet you it has something. It's got something to do with defense contracts. I bet money because of South Carolina, the only industries that exist on a, a globalized level are aerospace and defense. I bet money that there was a backdoor deal, just like <laughs> no fun. No, but it's like it's like politics. You know what it is? You know what really frustrates me about this whole thing is politics and these politicians. They are using us as pawns to f- hate each other for their gain. And I fucking hate that. And that's why I started reading this book, Why We're Polarized, because I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is all a game. And this is, you know, Republicans and Democrats. And now you have us, the citizens of America, just where we can't even talk. You know, back in like the 50s and 60s, you had senators, a Republican and a Democrat, they would not agree. They'd go out to dinner, they'd have a couple, they'd have a couple martinis, they'd come up with a solution. 
Yeah. That shit doesn't happen anymore. Now the government shuts down. Yeah. And, and, and it's pathetic. And, and it's gotten to the point where the personal attacks, and that's what really, that's what really disconcerts me because when you level down the personal attack, that means that you don't have any meat to your concern. Oh, right. Yes, of course. There, 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 there's no meat to your concern. You know, <laughs> the minute someone starts making fun of my seriously receding hairline, I know that they've already lost the war. What do I give a fuck what they have to say anymore? And that's really where a lot of these politicians are at this point, because they've been in office for so long that the only thing that they have is the personal attack or to pull out the deep, dark secrets that are going to sink them all. Right. And that's why I'm on board with young people. And I'm an old person. Let's talk about the impeachment. Do you think, so he was impeached. Somebody sent me a text message the other day and they're like, he wasn't impeached. And I'm like, uh, no, he was. He just wasn't removed. He's like Bill Clinton and um, whatnot. Do you think he should have been removed and we should have President Pence? I think, so, see, that's a really tricky, This the, the charges that they impeached him on you start to really branch into a very slippery slope if you do or don't, um, whether it's morally sound by the Constitution or not. Unfortunately, our, all countries work in the dark arts, you know, and especially America. We we get what we want around the world by using the dark arts. Now, what is that? Like, is that like Harry Potter? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Except, except with money, except with money instead of a magic wand. Right. I love a magic wand, by the way. But go ahead. Oh, <laughs> twinkle, twinkle. <laughs> no, uh, but uh, unfortunately, I, I think if they were looking to really, truly remove him from office, uh, that that was not the those were that was not the circumstance um, that was going to get it done because the, you know what you you bring up the prospect of going to trial. And either side can, and once it gets to the Senate, I mean, the House had control over the witness list, but once you get to the Senate, you know, it's it ball game over. If there's a speckle of relevance to the content of the trial, they can call that witness, right? right? And you really open yourself up to thinking yourself. I really don't believe as much as the Democrats said they wanted to get a witness, you know, get witnesses in a trial and that, and the Republicans said, no, I don't really believe that because. Here's what would have happened. You would have you would have you would have been forced to call witnesses from the previous administration as well because of the Hillary Clinton factor. They would find a way on the Trump side to tie Hillary Clinton and the Obama administration in there, and a lot of secrets that the Democrats really wouldn't want to come out would have to come out. So you open up a whole other can of worms with that specific topic. Now. You want to try to get them on something moral or financial, right? You know, you think about, uh, you, you think about, for example, how when he stays in his own hotels, he's charging $980 a night per room mm -hmm. uh, for, for a secret service. You know, you want to start looking into the financial interactions between that and how that money's filtering through his family. Because even though he, court, legally speaking, does not sit on the board of any of his organizations anymore, come on, dad, you need 10 mil, here you go. 
You know, you want to, you want to, you want to, you want to, so if you want to remove it from office, you got to find something like that. Um, it, it, it wasn't happening. I don't necessarily, uh, unfortunately think that that particular case was one that warranted impeachment. There's more things out there. What you just said was they try to remove him from office on the wrong thing, because if they would have used the right thing, they, they should have been able to. Yeah, absolutely. Because so, if, so, you, because, so you do think Donald Trump should have been should be removed for something? I, look, I would rather him not be a factor at all. That's the bottom line. I would rather that that that's ultimately the bottom line. But the other side of that coin is, is I think, in different ways, Vice President Pence is a little too extreme for my liking too. Because mind you, I'm fiscal conser- I'm a fiscal conservative, but I'm a social liberal, and. He is, I mean, he's all the way to the right in the most friggin' over-the-top, I own a plantation in the Midwest way that you can think of. Well, you know, he doesn't make any decisions unless he talks to mother. So, uh-huh. um, and, you know, he's so, an- he's so anti-gay that from my own experiences in life means one thing. Well, and that's and that strikes the nerve with me too, because I don't give a fuck what you are. Right. You know what I, I mean? I don't care either. But, but what I'm trying to say is, this was the opportunity. If the Republican Senate was like, "We are so fucking tired of having to defend this fucking Donald Trump guy," we are just three votes away from getting rid of him, and then we can manage Pence. Like Pence is manageable. Yes, he's a crazy Christian type person who thinks gays should go into concentration camps. And I already got my room booked in case he becomes the 46th president. Don't worry, I'll come play cards. I need a view. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I think Pence is way, would be way more, and I don't think Pence would win because I I, I don't think Pence would win a... um, a presidential election. I don't think he's, he doesn't have energy. He doesn't doesn't rile people up. And I think that's why the Republican senators said, you know what? We're, we're not, we're going to vote to acquit Trump because Trump riles up the people. And those are the people that are voting for us. And unfortunately, you know, they say, they say presidents win and lose generations. Right. And, uh, you know, the unfortunate fact of the matter is that, for a generation of one specific sect of people, you know, President Trump won the generation. And you're not going to change that ideology and that select core group, um, you know, just the same way that you're not going to, you know, you're, you're not going to change the ideology of the code pink people, you know. So when you look at it, I, that war's lost. But do you think he's actually won the generation because more he didn't win the popular vote so i don't and i think that's a slippery slope though but i think that it's the way the electoral college is created because he did you know he didn't win the popular vote so right no he lost lost it by 20 million so i walk around saying yes he may have won yes i understand all you trump supporters are gloat every day and um i have a funny story for you in a minute um gloat all the time but at the end of the day, more people did disliked him than liked him. So, but here's this, that, that specific topic becomes a very slippery slope in the fact of, right, that the Electoral College is another way, how do I word this correctly? Um, the minority states, right, mm-hmm. of giving equal representation to the minority states, right? So, 
you know, where you only have two electoral votes, your vote still means something. You know, if that's the overall view, whether the population is, is you know, one eighth the size of California or, you know, you're talking about California. Right. Those people still get a, somewhat of an equal say. And it's not even really an equal say because California gets what do they have? Fifty. Fifty eight, I think it is. Yeah, and like I could that. be. Uh, I think that could be right, actually. Close. Very close. Fifty six or fifty eight. You know, so when you look at when you look at it, look at that, the Electoral College is meant to protect those smaller states, the New Hampshire's and, and so on and so forth. Right. But where you're and the upside to that is the smallest population still gets to be heard at a national level. But the downside to that is you have these states that sit in the middle, like Ohio and Florida, that for the last 20 years are really, truly the core battleground states. And, you know, they're, they're more purple than they are any other color, especially Florida. I mean, look at, look at where I live. I live in Southeast Florida, Miami and Fort Lauderdale. And, you know, you go down into Little Havana and everyone votes diehard conservative because, you know, they came from a communist country. So they whipsaw to the total opposite extreme viewpoint of communism. And then you go up to Boca Raton and West Palm Beach and, uh, you know, you get all, all the retired New Yorkers that traditionally vote liberal, but they voted a different type of liberal in New York. And that's the problem, because the liberal that they voted for in New York was more of a centrist than a liberal. And now that doesn't exist anymore. Right. It's, so when it's you, far left or far right. Right. So now you get into this whole electoral college versus popular vote discussion. And it's a given that the country is going to win. It, the Democratic Party will win forever on those numbers, because you look at the populations of the East Coast of Florida, New York, Boston, L.A., San Fran, right? Mm -hmm. The Republicans will never have a shot, whether they have a viable candidate or not. They'll never have a shot because people, there are people that will, no matter what, always vote the party line. Well, it's the same. It's the same like take Nebraska or take Kansas or one of these really red where it doesn't matter if if Jesus came down as the Democrat because Jesus. Jesus would be a Democrat. And that's what makes me laugh about the Christians. Jesus was the, the biggest Democrat. But um, you're not you're not wrong. <laughs> um, but if he came down and Jesus Christ was like, I'm running for president, Nebraska would still vote for the other guy. And you're not. And but that goes back to really early on in our discussion, the you know, the small town mindset that resonates with President Trump. And it's not knocking these people because, look, these people still look, man. I couldn't be sitting here gaining 10 pounds a month eating fucking bread and pizza if the people in the Midwest weren't raising wheat. You know what I mean? Sure, so they're absolutely. an important piece of the population. They're just raised in a different view set. Oh, you know? yeah. Well, they don't, of course. Yeah. I always you know, say... They just, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm, I was going to say, we both lived in the same city in Florida at one point in Sarasota, and we saw that confluence, right? Because you, right. Go, <laughs> cause you go east of I-75, and everyone's chewing buckwheat and driving lifted up SUVs. You go towards the water, and Detroit, Chicago, and New York City are all sitting there retired, right? So it's very two very different viewpoints clash in that town. So you get to see it in a microcosm. Yes, I agree. I think that um, I've always said that the further you get from the ocean, the more um, conservative you are. Oh, absolutely. And it's the same in California. Everyone thinks California. Oh, everyone's in liberals in California. Honey, if you just go... 25 miles east of San Francisco, you've got Trump 2020 flags flying all over the place. 
Yeah, and and it's funny. I don't want to disclose what city I've been spending a lot of time in California for work, but I've been in California, Northern California specifically, um, every week to every other week for the last few months. Um, and, and you're right. You're right to that point. You know, and the the closer you get to the city center, the more left leaning. The further okay. out you go, you know, when you start seeing mile markers, that's when you start seeing the political viewpoint change. Oh, it's fascinating. And and people not from California think, y'all liberals over there. It's like just along the water because I lived in the Bay Area and, it, you know, it was it was liberal central. But then you get on <laughs> 660 or 680 or whatever it was and you're driving towards Sacramento and you get past the Bay Area. And like I said, Trump 2020 everywhere. And I don't think people around the country realize that. No, but it's the same thing in New York. If you look at an electoral map of where I come from in New York, Long Island, right? Nassau and Suffolk County, it, now it's purple bordering on blue. But in the 2016 election, Suffolk County, which is the county just due east of me, because I was in Nassau County, Long Beach, New York, for all you locals that'll be listening, what up? Um, <laughs> I don't know if that many people listen, but go ahead. Um, <laughs> it, it went red. You know, so and then if you go upstate, you go north of Albany toward the core, of the middle of the state where the only thing that existed up until, you know, the 90s was the Kodak factory and Air Force bases and they vote conservative. The problem is, is that you have a population of 12 million in New York City and another 4 million in the catchment around it, Long Island, that, where the bases all depend on how much money you make. Sure. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, it, and, and it's funny because it's not the way you would view it either, right? Mm -hmm. People making less money on Long Island are the ones voting conservative. People that are making $200,000 or more a year are voting liberal on Long Island. Well, I think people are voting, you know, people will vote against their own, you know, benefit just to stick it to the other person. I think to an extent, because I think there comes a point where, where survivalism has to come into play too. Um, and, and, and I think we're going to quickly start to see that. And I, and I think California and, and New York in particular are, are starting to see that, uh, in particular, because in California, you see a lot of people moving to Austin, Texas, because there's tax, tax advantage and the cost of living and so on and so forth. Right. Um, and, and eventually the ideologies are going to start to blend in that part of the world too. Right. But in New York, you see them, they all come to Florida and you see that blend, right. um, but the difference between those two is that the magnetism is purely to the coast of Florida because everyone retires to the beach. Whereas in Texas, people go, Californians move for the industry and, and for, you know, because the jobs market, you know, they're not retiring to Texas. They're moving to Texas to better their lives. People that are moving to Florida from New York and Boston and Chicago, they're going because they're just done. Right. They're like, they're like, let me die with my social security check in peace without paying another friggin' parking meter. Let me ask you this. Do you think Trump is going to win in November? That very, very strongly depends on who gets through uh, the Dem on the Democrat side, uh, you know, like I said, I, I'm hanging my hat on Buttigieg to get through on the Democrat side. I don't necessarily know if it will because the machine might not agree with that. Um, but if it's Bernie Sanders, uh, the, you're, I mean, it's, you're going to see a landslide bigger than the Reagan election.
unfortunately. So you think that if Bernie gets the nominee nomination, that Trump will win by a landslide? Yeah, uh, and I think and I think it it comes down to I use this word constantly the whipsaw. The I'm sorry, what was that? The whipsaw. You know, mm-hmm. you're you, you know you're, you're using the extreme opposing messages of either party. Right, because if you have saying. if you have Trump and Sanders, those are like the extreme of the party. You know, and and that's you know, and that's that's precisely it. You know, to to, to put it to, uh, and I'm not saying that either one of them are either, but you know, it, that's like taking friggin' Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin, completely complete opposite people. You know, complete opposite extremes, right? Mm-hmm. But as extreme as it comes to either side. I just almost shit right? my pants when you said that because it gave me a stomach ache. Um, but think about it. <laughs> but you- it's true. It's you know they are they are both extremes. I'm trying to. So I've had I've had this conversation with my husband because he's telling me you need to prepare yourself mentally that Trump will win because if then if he does, you're not going to be you know, shocked, but then if he doesn't, you'll be pleasantly happy. And so something I'm telling myself, cause you know, I'm trying to be positive about this is, right. um, you know, just like you, I think, I think a lot of people voted for Donald Trump because they hated Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Now Hillary Clinton's not there. So you have that factor that somebody would have said, I hated Donald Trump, but I hated Hillary more. Now coming into this next election, you're not going to have that. You're not going to have the Clinton dark cloud hanging over you, right? Also, there's a lot of young, a lot of old people have died in the last four years. (laughs) Well, it's true. A lot of people who are like older, who voted conservative Trump are dead. Right. And a lot of those 14 and 15 year old kids who go through school shootings and who are growing up liberal are now going to be voting. So I'm not giving up hope yet that weak that that Trump will will lose because, you know, when when back in 2016, I always said and I'm going to stick to this and I hope that it's good. I always said whether Clinton or Trump wins, it's going to be a one term presidency. I, I see. I think that would have. Uh, I, I think that would have been true. On uh, two different. Well, definitely would have been true. I think with Hillary Clinton because I think the Republican Party would have just pulled so much dirt on her that uh, you know it, it just it wouldn't have ended well for her. Um, the same way you know the the left has done so with President Trump. But with pr- the problem with that theory about President Trump is that. The Democrats put all their weak horses up. They put up names that everyone recognizes, with exception to people to judge. They just, you know, they're like, "Oh, you know this name, right?" Like, there's no, there's, there's no substance to the candidates. I think that I think they were all surprised that Pete won in Iowa. They were. I mean, they were absolutely floored, and you can see it. You know, you, you read some of the, you know the different publications on both sides, and everyone was like, "Humming, humming, humming, humming." And Bernie Sanders is just out there going, I got robbed again. I got robbed again, dude. <laughs> dude, well, what happened to he, sharing? I thought you were all about it. <laughs> if I remember correctly, he did kind of get robbed in 2016. 
He did because the in emails, 2016. The emails came out showing that they were pushing for Hillary, the Democrat. So, so he did. No, kinda, the machine, he did kind of get robbed. The did. machine controls the situation. It, it it did, but I don't think that's necessarily the case in this particular situation. I think Buttigieg resonates. I really genuinely think that he's got this resonance about him, and that's why he catches my attention. And I'm not just throwing shit at the whole wall of Democrats, right? Well, I think he's got the military background. I think he's young. I think he speaks to the people. It's kind of like a Bill Clinton back in 92 when he was playing the saxophone on MTV. That's probably way too, <laughs> oh my that's God, probably yeah. way too young for you. That was the first time I ever voted was in 92. I was 20 years old and he played the saxophone on MTV and I got wet. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's more than that, though. I think it's... He, he's soft-spoken in the sense of let's listen to everyone's viewpoints and let's find the viewpoint that uh, look, you're never going to get everyone close together, but let's find a viewpoint that brings us as close together as possible. And if right. he makes it to become the primary Democratic, uh, you know, contestant, and then he wins it into wins into the general, uh, you, you're going to see really interesting debates. Yeah. You're going to see really. Yeah. Re because because now you have to think about this. What does the president have on him? He's got well, nothing. Well, what can the president speak about the military? He's a draft dodger. So if you're a right. military person, right, and mm -hmm. you're like, I love the military, and I was in the military for 20 years, and I retired, and I'm a military, USMC, right? You've got the <laughs> sticker on your fucking truck, and you've got Donald Trump up there who actually avoided the Vietnam War. Am I correct? Yeah, he did. Um, and then you got Pete who's like, I'm a military vet and blah, 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 and I'm this age. If you don't go for the military guy, that's weird to me. Right. But here's, here, and here's, here's where it gets real interesting. This is where the president can lose a large tract of the independent voters that voted for him in the last election, right? Those middle centrists like me. Mm -hmm. if, he, if he goes after me, Mayor Pete Buttigieg at a personal level, there's only one place that he that he's going to find that he can attack that's going to resonate with the extreme right. We know what that is. And we is. both know where I'm we both know what that is. And right there um that my decision my decision personally would be made at that point. Right. Cuz that's Well, you know he's look, gonna. You know he's going to talk about butt play. Uh-huh. And 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 I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. And that's why I you know I through the course of this discussion I've taken all my bets off the table with respect to it and I you know I've put it out there you know he'll get elected unless Donald Trump is not going after Pete right now because Pete is not a threat to Donald Trump. Right. So once, if he does win in New Hampshire, and once the ball starts rolling and people and more Dem nomination nominees drop out, once once somebody puts it in the bug of Trump of hey, you got to watch out this guy. That's when it's going to be unleashed. Here's where this is going to happen. I, everyone is expecting that Bernie Sanders is going to lose in New Hampshire. And uh, and Pete's going to put up a strong win. If he doesn't win there, he's coming in second place. South Carolina is where you got to watch it, though, because that's where Joe Biden's going to be the strongest. It's probably going to be the only state that he comes in really strong, but it's an important state for the Democrats, right? right. If, if, Pete, if Judge wins in South Carolina, all bets are off. All bets are off for everyone else, and that's when you're going to see him level the cannon. Well— Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show. I thought this was a great conversation. Did you have a good time? 
I did. I had a blast. It was it was great to actually uh, get to talk to you and spend time with you. I miss you, man. Well, I miss you too, and um, I really appreciate it. And uh, please, I hope your wife listens. You said your wife was going to listen to the episode, yeah. so that'll be great. And again, thank you for being so respectful. You know, there wasn't anything that we talked about that would have caused anyone to want to stab each other. No, but that's important. I think, uh, like, my entire goal when getting uh, on coming on here. Mm-hmm. was to to kind of express to both sides that uh, look there's there's a common ground and none of us that are going to be listening to this show are billionaires let's just be normal people and take care of each other absolutely thank you so much sir i will talk to you soon okay take care okay bye-bye Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get alerts when new episodes air. Also, check out Flight Attendant Joe on Facebook and Instagram. And if you still haven't had enough of me, (laughs) check out the blog at www.flightattendantjoe.com.